Welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of Beyond the Zero. I'm your host, Ben. Joining me today is Meg Tewitt. Meg is the author of Domestic Apparition and numerous other books. Her extraordinary new novel, White Van, is out through Unlikely Books. She joins me from her home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Welcome to the show, Meg. Thank you so much, Ben. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> Tell me about life in Santa Fe. Ooh, uh, you know, they call it the land of enchantment, which, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, woo-woos here and there's a lot of uh, everything here but it's a really beautiful place and um, I was brought up in Chicago but uh, my sister moved out here like 30 years ago and then I decided to follow later and then my mom came out here which was amazing and um, so we had a little group out here and I have not been able I've left briefly uh, for periods. My brother teaches in Montreal. Uh, my other brother's in Pittsburgh. I have people all over the place, but Santa Fe is a place I don't think I'll ever leave. And I'm not somebody who wants to go back to Chicago either. So the one thing that I, I see happening now is that the fires are getting worse and worse out here. And, um, we have a vision from our house. We're sort of south of Santa Fe. So we can see three different um, mountain ranges from our house, which is pretty cool. But above the mountains on two sides, you're going to see uh, clouds from the smoke from the fires. And I don't even know how many acres it is at this point, but it's out towards Taos. And they have evacuated the Los Alamos labs, which is really frightening for us. Um, and when the winds shift, you could smell the smoke like it's right on your porch. So that's a sad thing, but it's such a beautiful place. We get 300 days of sun and coming from Chicago where you maybe got 20 days of sun a year. It's very nice. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> And you live on 13 acres out there. That must be amazing. It's cool. It's nice because I can take my dogs out. And during the pandemic, you know, a lot, a lot of people were stuck in apartments and I felt really bad for them because they couldn't even get outside or, you know what I mean? And we were, we're so far out here. I mean, kind of on our land, you, we go down this really shitty uh, two mile rocky road to get to crazy rabbit road, which is where I live. And uh, it's great because our, we have some neighbors around us. We know them all. But we also have all this land that we can walk on. So I never really went totally whack job. I was able to get outside, cruise around, take the dogs, take even a couple cats, run the show out here. So, yeah. And animals are my thing. I love them. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Mm. Santa Fe is renowned as one of the world's great art cities. Um, how's the writing and art scene in Santa Fe? It's moved in and out. Uh, we used to have, I used to do a ton of readings out here where I'd host readings. Kate Braverman, I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's an amazing writer. 
who lived in LA, wrote about LA most of her life, but then she came out here before she died and we got to be really good friends and I'm a huge fan of her work. Like if you ever can get a copy of Lithium for Medea, whoa, that is damn good. And anyway, all of her books are great. Um, but so we did a lot of readings. I would have people come from all over the country to do readings here. We also had a weekly reading, which was called Nickel Story. And you only got five minutes at, on the stage, you know, to do your thing. And that, you know, they, things sort of move for a while and then they sort of dwindle off. So we had a good five, six years of that. Uh, the art scene is tough also, but it's going. I mean, the, some of, you know, my, uh, my sister and some of my best friends out here are artists and they're great. So my house is filled with art. Um, but I don't know how well they do when they have to get to, you know, into a place and try to make money and, uh, you know, nobody really lives off their art here. You know, mm. that's the sad part. Are there any famous writers from Santa Fe? Well, you know, Tony Hillerman lived out here and now his daughter is writing. They are, have a new, sometime either it's just happening, but we have an amazing group that are coming for a Santa Fe um, writers fair. And, and so we have like uh, Colin Whitehead, uh, Colson. And then uh, who else is coming? Margaret Atwood, I think. And um, who else? A lot of, you know, writers that people would know that are that are good writers. Nobody that I jumped like high except for Colson, who I can't even remember his goddamn name. Uh, but it was it's really expensive to go. It's like they have all these little setups where you can go for like I don't know, $400 a day, but they also have chefs who have written books. So they make these amazing meals and it's out at, on this, you know, in this park set up. So it's probably gorgeous, but I'm going to be in Louisiana when it's happening. So I couldn't go anyway, but they don't live here. No. <laughs> so the only one, my, my favorite was um, Kate Braverman. And she just died uh, maybe less than six months ago. I'll have to seek her out. I haven't read any of her books. Oh, my God. She's in my top ten. Yep. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's move on to your book, White Van. Gary Lutz blurbed the back. That's huge praise. The book's really hard to define, but in its essence, it's a collection of loosely connected vignettes or short stories or poems mainly about violence, serial killers, missing women. Abductions. Almost, yeah, yes. abductions, death. Uh, it almost reminded me about the part about the crimes in 2666. Do you want to tell us a bit more about White Van? Huh. Well, I um, started it with a small group of writers. We were meeting online and we just started to write things. And I think that it was before a little bit before the pandemic um i was just watching crazy shit on tv you know like netflix like i like documentaries so it started out with documentaries about different wars happening and you know what was happening in um 
Detroit in the, was it the seventies or the eighties where they just tore apart the city. And then there was, you know, um, I would watch different rock and roll kind of things where they would go back to the sixties, late sixties in Chicago. And then I got into serial killers from there. And then I got into different stories, uh, crime stories of, uh, women and kids who went missing. Um, and I also was listening to a podcast, um, My Favorite Murder. Have you ever heard of that one by the two, yeah. two women? Mm. And I loved it. And I, I used to watch, I listened to it every day in my car. And um, I got a lot of ideas from them. And most of these uh, poetic prose or short story flash pieces are um, based on stories that are true or supposedly true. Like I do use Man Ray in one point, which there's a really, there was a podcast of this family when they were trying to find um, the Black Dahlia, you know, who killed the Black Dahlia. And uh, I took out a few other names throughout, but I kept Man Ray in that one because they used to have these parties at night. And I know that they're true because the, all the kids were there and the kids were being abused. So therefore I kept Man Ray in. Interesting. Um, the poetry of your language, even when you're writing about really terrible things, it's kind of melodic. Do you want to tell us a bit more about your writing style? I was, uh, I would call myself sort of self-taught by reading what I loved. And my mother was a librarian when I was a kid. My dad was a professor. And um, we had books everywhere in our house, always. And every Saturday, my mother didn't drive. Every Saturday, we would all walk five kids to the local um, library and we could get six books so i would read them all within a day and then i'd have to trade with my sisters and brothers which was hard because they'd be like no you know so we'd have fights and stuff but i'd sneak up you know at midnight and get a book and read it anyway um so we were just readers from day one plus our favorite which is a weird thing but our favorite uh gifts as kids were books new books because we only got books from the library and what my mom got from secondhand stores, <clears throat> which at that time was everything. You could get everything. So, but I had to wait in line down the line by age, who got to read first. So mom was first, then my older brother, then my older sister, then me, and it went on, you know? So I'd hear them laughing hysterically over like Confederacy of Dunces, you know, John Kennedy tool. And I'm like, I want to read it. Give me that book. Give me that book. But I'd have to wait my turn for that book. Um, my mother read through libraries when she was a kid. Uh, she was Lithuanian. Um, her parents came from Lithuania. She was first generation here and, um, they were just, they were readers. And it was so wonderful for us because everywhere we went, we got to take books. 
but we were the weird kids in the neighborhood because it was like a working class Catholic uh, neighborhood and not very many kids read, you know, and um, yeah, so we, we kind of got made fun of. My older brother was smarter than the nuns at the school. My mother put us in a Catholic grade school. Oh, my God. And uh, he would always tell them that they were wrong, even about popes. You know, you don't do that with a nun. Because at that time, out would come the, the, the ruler or the, you know, and she'd come down the thing and smack the shit out of him. Mm. But that was considered okay at that time. <laughs> But um, as far as getting to White Van, that's where I was going around. Is that what yeah. the question was? See, now mm. I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> poetic prose. I didn't know that was the route I was going to take. When I first started writing, it's a long story, but I was writing from the time I was like a little kid. My mom bought me one of those desks where you could pull up the top and all that. And I, she got a for five bucks at an old at our old Catholic schools, like from their basement or something or the rectory. And then I, I told her I was writing a novel and it was a novel of a girl who was running away. And so she was like, now is this fiction or nonfiction? And at that time I knew what that meant, you know? And I said, a little of both. And then, you know, she saw me walking down the street one day with a little briefcase I was running away and I was like six or seven and I had in my briefcase, I think she told me I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a book and an apple and I was ready to go. I was on my way. I didn't even have my tents, my quarter allowance. There was nothing, no cash. So anyway, um, I've always wanted to write, I think, always, always read. That was, that was our pastime. And, um, it was a gift for me, you know, to be able to do that. And um, I know you talk about gateway books, but God, we have so many. It's like unbelievable. She read everything from like Kierkegaard to encyclopedias to obituaries to everything. Amazing. Okay. Do you want to read us a piece from White Van? Okay, here we go. Arteries migrate toward extinction. You have three kids, a husband, and an open coffin vagina. Sister says it dies when you are eight. You throttle caged flesh, vaulted opinions, and the fierce potency of shadows thudding light, hungry for habit over 42 years. Do you know that your sliced throat jawed into three beaming red cherries. When one wife named Frances can't get up from her chair after 20 years of rising to thrash your holy, put on an apron, make meals, and fetch you from the saloon, you find a younger Frances who gutters out like a sailor, irons your brows, and dares the dark to fly you. How do you know you need a nurse? Mom says smoking deflated you into six foot six, 90 pound cigarette. They have to gut a 100 year old oak to pasture your body. 
Organs pump leaks through your chit chat. Language becomes malignant, malignant with pastel nausea. Moves from the shush of nail care to the boosh of how thin are you? Do they know you have braided your words to signify your mouth is a muffle of shuffled cards? Liver racks over a thousand. Babe, I'll drink whatever shoots my way. CA 125, normal below 40. Your number is over a thousand. Fuck the road trip. I have to pee. Your face windmills between defending acupuncture and political pantsuits. Can stories actually rearrange continents if they're fondled long enough? Can one become sick of the child molding its plastic haze of saturated assault by parent into caricature? Wider, wider, you sully the edges of panic bystanders barely acknowledge. Dare you to hallucinate it off my crotch. Distortion is an autobiography of diagnosis. How many strains of color try to creep through? Your face is an aperture pawing the haggard billows of oozing dignity. dignity. Limp thwarts a captor. Landmines of growling sky shred us piece by piece. Mom surrenders her craving for finger holds and compliments. She cascades rage that only knows a tightened throat, a word gone ghost, a carcass cough of dormant volcanoes who never find their matted leakage. Uncle, uncle, you wretched rot squirrel, how does your family grow? Boy Scout leaders and hetero breeders who murmur the shadow of blow. Aggravated spits of conversation between awkward patched silence when uncle works bolts of rope into Boy Scout specials. Each not its own anguished plea. Breastables puff on gangland rhetoric and spliffs. Prison free of mom's girdle, yet secondhand silence sods the guzzling beast of appetite and mowed lawns. Bulk sits beneath its family bush, hoarding depth of exterior. No chance to burrow crazy when you dominate the cup's sun raking in your placid depravity. You took off, big sister. Crazy was the dial tone. India was your new home. Dad paid a bill he could never recompense each month. You, sister, shirked your siblings. A dot of a house on the planet of nobody will ever know had grazed the roiling fog of drowned violence. What a family heirloom, a riot of repressed introspection, a bullet in everyone's head. Wow, okay. Quite dark, but beautiful and uh, wow, intense. 
As somebody who's only read White Van, I'm keen to read more of your work. Where should I start? Um, unfortunately, uh, some of the um, publishers are gone. So I have books. So you can go to my megtuit.com uh, website and you'll find all of my books and also books I've edited um, and collections and anthologies. Um, yeah, it's really sad. I mean, I'd love to get a collection together, a collected collection of some of my work. I find some of my favorite work is in my chapbooks, and I have five chapbooks. And one of them was uh, published in the UK called Lined Up Like Scars. And I think you would like that one if you mm. like this one. <laughs> okay. One of the selling points for this book for me was Gary Lutz on the back. Um, how did you come to get in touch with her? I love Gary Lutz with all my being. <laughs> uh, found her through her collected works first. I didn't have the smaller collections and that was Gary Lutz. And then, you know, now Gary L. And um, I did an interview with her. I interviewed her online and we spent an hour and a half talking and we had a blast. It's on YouTube. <laughs> um, and uh, we realized that I wanted everything. Oh, I had just gotten um, her short uh, collection, her latest, which is, uh, wait, don't tell me. <laughs> I, I always forget the word because it was an old word that she told me about and- um, Worsted. Worsted. <laughs> I knew it was W, I was trying to think. Um, the whole thing is underlined. Her, the humor is so dark and interesting. And like, I love all the scenes uh, in working in these horrible, like jobs where you're sitting in little cubicles and, you know, the narrator is studying this woman's nylons and decides, you know, she wants to find out what colors she gets. And then everything is like very, very interestingly strange. And then her essay on the sentence is something that I teach constantly because I do online teaching now. I used to teach at a college and now I'm teaching pretty much online with bending genres. Um, and we have great teachers. And I've tried to get Garyelle, but she's like, I'm so over teaching. I can't do it anymore. And I so get it. But just reading her line by line and reading Gordon Lish and reading Dawn uh, Raphael and all of the people that have worked with Gordon Lish and sort of sort of studying them as that's a class in and of itself how she moves, uh, why the next word, and how that brings to a whole nother world. Every, every sentence is its own world. And I'm absolutely fascinated by that. And, and I'm absolutely mesmerized by it when I read it. Because somehow I get something within this scope, you know, that probably nobody else got. And that's a feat. 
Yeah. I think anybody who hasn't read that essay, it is one of the best essays I've ever, ever read. It is, um, it really does renew your faith in, in writing and writing at that word, word sentence level. And then the, he, I mean, she, sorry, has the grammarian, um, the Bible for the grammarian. Mm. Do you have that one? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, she's brilliant. She's mm. brilliant. And yet she had a problem with school too. I had a problem with teachers. I didn't understand, even as a young kid, I didn't understand why there wasn't a contraction amant. Mm. And I would fight with my teacher. I said, you know, you've got cannot, do not, want, you know, why not am not amant? Mm. And she's like, because it doesn't exist. <laughs> Move on. And I'm sure my brother was way worse. He speaks 13 languages. He's way off the charts. Um, and I use him as a character a lot of times because he was the most interesting person I knew. My older sister and him fought because she thought she had a higher IQ than he did. But he, uh, he didn't care. So modest. And he's published. He's at uh, University of Montreal. And he's... 20 years ago, 10 years ago, he had published over 40,000 articles. Wow. He'd published more than anybody in his department. And he was the youngest guy in the department. So, of course, they hated him. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, but loved him. How You couldn't help but love my brother, but they would all tell him they hated him. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about what you're working on next? Oh, uh. I have two things. I'm forced to work on this novel, which is a crazy family. I mean, really messed up and, but intellectuals. And so the mother is, she does read everything, but she's not exactly like my mom. She's got a lot of different things going on. Um, but she quotes all these really interesting things. While her kids ask her one thing, she'll quote something completely different. She doesn't give a shit what they're talking about. She's so in her head. She's like stacks of books on either side of her, you know, and she just lays in her nightgown. She's agoraphobic, doesn't go out much. Um, and then there, I have two kids in there and they're, um, I'm getting forced to rewrite it. I've been working on it for 10 years uh, because I'm now have put myself in a position where I, I have a teacher, a one-on-one, -on -one, and I have to every week come up with, let's see, 25 similes and metaphors. <laughs> and because she thinks that I do really well with that. So she's like, that's coming out of you. And then, uh, you know, 10 more pages of the collection, or I mean, the, the novel whatever it is. I guess it's a novel. And I'm also working on something that is slow moving, but it's also this poetic prose. Sometimes I can maybe get a phrase in a day if I'm lucky. And I'm working on all of my favorite women writers using a quote from them at the top, but I've read all of their work. So basically taking something from their life that matches something within myself and my life and recreating a story, a, a, you know, a short poetic piece with each one of them. So every page or every two pages is another person. 
Interesting. Okay. I'm really looking forward to both of those. They sound amazing. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to them being done. Mm. No, no, no. I'm actually enjoying it. I'm enjoying writing them and I enjoying rereading. I like to reread people I love, you know. Mm. So. All right. Are you ready to move on to your gateway books? What were some of the books that opened the door of literature for you? Mm. Well, my brother gave me Flannery O'Connor when I was like 12. <clears throat> and then I had to read all of Flannery O'Connor, of course. But he, I th think he gave me, you know, he gave me A Good Man is Hard to Find. And then I, I got the collected works. I don't know. Yeah, they were already out. And then also some horror books. Uh, who was that guy? Well, I, one of my favorites was Isaac Bashevis Singer. I read everything of his, <clears throat> Malamude, um, you know, Louisa May Alcott when I was really young because there was a Meg in there and I didn't even like the Meg who was in there. <laughs> she was a wimp. My brother would just hand me anything, Alfred Hitchcock books and like, uh, um, but then my mother would always give us really beautiful amazing collections um and my favorite writers god all the right oh well shirley jackson was a big one all of the southern writers i really loved a lot um this is hard i should have written these down and i'm so <laughs> sorry nice but we didn't read like john kennedy tool i read that like 20 times you know, I, I, I got his first book and wasn't so good. But then and Sylvia Plath, my mom gave me and Anne Sexton. Yes, they were they were gateways for me. Hmm. That might be part of the darkness that moves forward. <laughs> Are there some current writers who have carte blanche with you? I'm rereading a ton, but like I have Bruno Schultz on my arm here. I have a tattoo of Bruno Schultz, Sanatorium Under the Sign of the Hourglass and the Streets of Crocodiles. Have you ever read him, Polish writer? No, I haven't read him yet. Oh, God, I love him. He, uh, unfortunately, he, he was a woodworker and then found his writing. And he did it sort of in private. And then he got to know, like, Witold Grovavich. And um, that guy took his work to uh, this woman and she said, oh God, not another writer, you know, just kind of like the Percy when Percy's mother, I mean, the mother of John Kennedy Toole was waiting outside Percy, um, Walker Percy, right outside. Mm -hmm. And he, he kept pretending it wasn't there because he thought, oh God, it, the mother of a dead son who's giving me his manuscript and all these big chief notebooks, are you kidding? But then he started to read and realized he had a genius on his hands, right? Well, the same thing happened with, with Bruno. Bruno was able to make the inanimate animate, which I find absolutely almost a goal in my writing life, is to be able to do that, to make everything animate. Everything has an energy. And what he did was created through these families. and. It starts off with the book that his dad tells him is the only book out there in the world. And it's just, talk about beautiful prose. Oh my God, great sentences. Oh yeah, Thomas Wolfe was another one I loved way back. 
because uh, <laughs> um, he had a six-page sentence that I think is quite amazing. Um, yeah, uh, so Clarice Lispector, uh, Lucia Berlin, um, Dominique, I'm giving you some of my favorites, though, of all time, which are going to be on my top 10. I'm sorry. Uh, Otessa Moshfeg, or Moshfeg, great writer. Have you read Eileen? Not yet. No, it's on my shelf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one to pull out. You'll read it in a day. I promise you. So mm -hmm. good. Um, and she and Gary L are friends. You know, they write to each other. Um, let's see. Uh, Melissa Pritchard was my first teacher, and I like her work, like the auditorium. Some of her collections are quite good. Um, also, P Peshwa. Is it Peshwa or Peshwa? I think it's Peshwa. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. I never get them right. So, you know, but I've read all of his, mm. uh, like uh, the book of disquiet and then his poetry. Dylan Thomas was a favorite forever and ever and ever. And it will always be uh, the third policeman, which I have read all of his work. Mm. He's hilarious. Mm. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I love, I love Irish writers. Some of them are just amazing. Joyce is, I, I like it. I'm not a big fan. Like people are like, mm, like my brother is like, he gets all ecstatic, you know, but I think more so I was more connected to Dylan Thomas and, um, Fran O'Brien O'Brien and, uh, uh, there's some new ones out there that are really good. And some of the women writers, the women Irish writers are so good. Um, the one who wrote The Girl is a Half-Formed Thing. Ava McBride. Oh, I love her. Yes. And um, I interviewed another woman, June Caldwell, who's great as well. And she writes some wild-ass stuff. Uh, trying to think. Oh, Jean Rees was another gateway person for me. Um yeah, I could go on and on about that, but mm. I'm trying not to give you all my top tens. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell us the books you're currently reading and the books you're looking forward to or you've recently enjoyed? I keep reading certain books over and over. When I was a kid, there was a period where, well, actually, when I went to Montreal, I lived there for a couple of years after my mom died. I, I had to get, I lived with my mom for two years before she died. And then my brother was living, he's been out there for like 35 years. And he just said, come out here. And um, I would house sit because he was teaching anthropology for all the people that were going and doing their field work. So I got to live all over the city for free. And I would go to the French library every day for six hours and read. And they only had one English section, which was great for me because I could read through like Robert Louis Stevenson and then who his teacher was. And each one would go further and further and further back, you know, like Goethe and all of, all of them, but, you know, translations. And, um, yeah, I'm losing myself now. And now I'm reading like six or seven books of different people. But a poetry seems to be the one area that really uh, inspires me. 
Dominique Christina, have you ever seen her slam poet? Uh, no. I teach her in every class. Thomas James, he only wrote one book before he died at 26, which is beyond heartbreaking. Uh, I, I, I just read him again, not remembering that, that I've already bought three of his books, the same book. So I do that a lot. I'll buy Juna Barnes, like, you know, um, Nightwood. I've probably bought 20, 30 copies. And then I just hand them out when I, cause when I see one, I think there's no reason for that to be in a bookshelf. It's gotta be in my bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And today when I was looking for books, you know, of my top 10, I found like six copies that I had still, but I was handing them out to people that I, you know, my family is the first, I mean, they love reading. So I, I'll go back to her again and again and again and read even her writer. I was on airplane reading writer, which is um, a play and a man sitting next to me allowed a, the man you don't want sitting, sitting next to you when you're reading and he said, is that in English? Because she's so wild. <laughs> and I did start laughing at that. I thought that was funny. Olga Sorak, or I don't know how to say her last to, name. Tekorshak, I think. Tekorshak. I oh, think so. She, she's gorgeous and just brilliant. And I read her over and over again. Um, David Wojnarowicz, who was... The, uh, one of the first um, in Act Up. Did you ever read? Um, it's called Memories That Smell Like Mother. No. That one's right here, because I keep this one close at hand. Mm. It's uh, amazing. Um, oh, uh, Olivia Lang. Do you like her work? I've only she, read one thing by her. Oh, I like them all because I like a. Uh, I do like nonfiction when somebody puts their life into the nonfiction. So she's so good at that. She she does it so well. And um, yeah, I've read all of her books. Same with uh, Maggie Nelson. Um, Let's see who else. How do you say it? Ciron? C-I-O-R-A-N? I think that's how you say it, Ciron. Yeah. A A History of Decay. That's a good one that I go back to again and again. I'm just giving you books that I read over and over. If I think of new books, okay, let's think of new books. Oh no, it's not new. Confessions of Edward Dahlberg was written in 71 and I've read that like five times. So I'm reading it again. Uh, uh, Oh, my friend William Solden is a great writer. You should have him on, he's great. He's incredible. He was a student of ours and he's just now he's got five or six books already and i'm reading undone valley which is a great novel but his poetry is gorgeous bill solden he's on twitter and everything um i'll let him know about you by the way because mm. i think that you guys would love each other nabokov's nin is my favorite of his i know that's weird a lot of people like so many different others, Lolita and whatever, but Nin is the most hilarious and reminds me most of the Russian writers. And there was a whole Russian period and all of that, like we all probably had and go back to. I didn't give you one good new book, did I? (laughs) 
Oh, Marcus Pactor, didn't you have him on or are you having no. him on? Yeah, very soon, I think. Yes, Begat. yes. Begat. 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 Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one? Yes, yes, yes. And then I have, um, I was at AWP, so I got, oh, this is another great writer that is a really, mm. was published by um, Gary L's group, Calamari Press, David Nutt. Hilarious. We'll take a quick break here on Beyond the Zero. We're speaking with Meg Tewitt. This episode is sponsored by the WHO. Are you sick of coronavirus? Want to try monkeypox instead? Available now everywhere. Use promo code WHO for 10% off your next pandemic. We're back on Beyond the Zero. It's time for Meg's Top 10. Not in any order. And I'm going to show you the sanatorium under the sign of the hourglass by Bruno Schultz. Marguerite Young, Miss Macintosh, my darling. Do you know that? I've been desperate to get a copy of it for ages, but I think Dalkey's coming back out with it this they are. year. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and that's pretty exciting. I'm so mm-hmm. excited. I stalked her. I tried to find her before she... I didn't know she had died. She died the year before I, I tried. She lived in Washington Park most of her life and she taught in New York. And I wrote her a letter and said, I'll do your laundry. I'll uh, do whatever you whatever you need. I will get for you because I knew she was getting older. And then uh, I found out because I got the letter back that she had died. I was so sad. Mm. I have all of her books. I've got her essays um, and they redid this one is all pe- tributes and essays to her. I have a first edition somewhere of Miss Macintosh that I got for a birthday from my dad and I can't find it. I'm horrified. So I've been searching. My house is a mess now because of that. But anyway, Lydia Yuknovich, Chronology of Water. Have you read her? No, you're giving me a big shopping list so far. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's so beautiful. She worked with Ken Casey. Really nice. Oh my God, so gorgeous. Here's one that I might end up actually writing a biography and I never thought of writing one before, but I'm now all of her friends are finding me on Twitter, Lori Jackson. And this is the only book that was ever put together of her poetry. So what if it's true? And it's also got letters and it was published by Thrice Publishing and like I think she died of an overdose in the 90s uh, and it was heartbreaking. But all of a sudden, all these people came forward and said, oh, my God, I've got some of her old, you know, you know, collections in zines. And I'm like, so they're sending them to me. So I feel like, you know, that's a possibility. The one I told you, of course, third policeman. Clarice Lispector, I would say all of them. But uh the Passion According to G.H. is an incredibly wild story about finding a cockroach and having it transform her entire life. And it's not anything to do with Kafka. I think this was written before Kafka. It might have been. I'd have to check that out. But anyway. I think it was after Kafka, but yeah. Was fantastic. it after? Yeah. 
And it is You've read this? Book. Oh, I yay. love Clarissa Spector. Me too. I've got her eye right here on my other arm. Beautiful. That's her eye. And it says, uh, the truth through the dream, uh, seeing the truth through the dream. And then what Bruno writes is, reality is as thin as paper and betrays with all its cracks. Mm. Nice. <laughs> I love that. Okay, now here are Domini Christina's. I couldn't pick. Uh, Anarchy, Anarchy Speaks is the story, a history and poems in dialect of a, of a, uh, a slave woman. And it's amazing. This one is a mix of different things. If you just find her and watch her on uh, YouTube, you'll get an idea of how great she is. She's taught for us a few times, which was a huge honor. I call her the goddess. Then, of course, my one of many copies of Nightwood, Juna Barnes. And then Worsted and the complete Gary Lutz. And then I started to buy them one by one. So now I'm getting them from Calamari. Every time they have some more of his up for sale, I buy them. Mm -hmm. uh, now, this is the one from Thomas James I was telling you about, Letters to a Stranger. And this one was republished by um, Grey Wolf Press because they couldn't find, it was like an underground book that they couldn't find copies of. So um, Lucy Brody found her way to him and, and got even some poems that weren't published in the original. And then Ocean Vuong, he, do you love Ocean or how, how do you I've read the one book, so. I've got all, all three. One. Yeah, I've got all three, and if you go through them, they're just underlined back to back. I underline mm -hmm. books. So, Peshwa, here we go. I've got Peshwa. This one doesn't have the cover on it anymore because I've mutilated my books. <laughs> Am I at ten? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I went beyond ten. I I cheated. Beyond the ten. There I you think, go. I think I gave you a dozen. <laughs> wow you have sent me quite a few books i'm gonna go out and buy this morning so yay well that's so exciting thank you so much this was so much fun well before we wrap it up do you want to tell us where we can go out and buy white van and get in touch with you online well white van was published by unlikely stories press and um he is out of uh, New Orleans. I'm going to go there next week and read for him, which is going to be fun, New Orleans. Um, but I would say if you, if you get a hold of, if you go to megtoit.com, you'll find all of my stuff on my website with, um, you know, and I, I'll sign them for you. So, and they're, I think they're cheaper. I'm not supposed to say that, but they're cheaper on my megtoit.com. <laughs> it's a very good offer. It's a great book. Um, I loved it. I ripped through it in about an hour and a half, I think. So it's, um, wow. it's fantastic. I think you have to. I think it's one of those books that just compels you to go on. So I loved it. And um, yeah, I, loved really what, I, I love what you wrote. Didn't you say something about the bones? Didn't I think you? I did. Something like that, yes. I forget what very I said, but yeah. Just nice. Very mm. nice. Yeah, you're like ripped through the bones. 
<laughs> I think I said I'll, I'll be chewing on the bones of it for a, for quite a while. Yes, yeah. that's it. I love mm. that. So nice. Thank you <laughs> so much. I really well, appreciate. It. I'm just so happy mm. when somebody uh, you know loves my work, especially somebody as well read as you. And so, thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining me. This has been so much fun. It has. Thank you. Have a great day out there. Thanks once again to Meg Toit. Check out the show notes for all the details. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at beyondzeropod, and you can email us at beyondthezeropod at gmail.com. We'll be back with your next episode next week.